Good morning, Crossroads. We thank you for being here this morning. If you're watching online, we want to thank you for tuning in. Please drop a comment in the section there to let us know that you're watching this morning. If you're here in the building with us, would you please stand in worship?
Let's give a shout of praise to the Lord this morning. Amen.
Would you guys pray with me? Lord, we think of that song, Lord, that uh, God, we just know that, um, Lord, you, God, you, you get everything. Lord, you know everything, Lord, and we just know that some of us, uh, we see the valleys, we see the mountaintops, Lord, but we um, sometimes don't see your hand in our lives, and sometimes we don't see it for a while until we look back and see, God, how you brought us through some of the most difficult things we've been through, God. But, Lord, we sit here 
lifting up the name of Jesus this morning, Lord. We know you've called us all here. You've gathered us here this morning to lift you up. And so, God, that's what we are going to do. We love you, Jesus, and we ask all things in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you to those of us joining us online. I just want to say we're glad you're here. Listen, if we have any guests in the house, please stop by the Welcome Center before you leave. We'd love to connect with you and just give you something by saying thanks for being our guest. We want to treat you like royalty and just let you know that we consider it a big deal you're here. So thank you for joining us online as well. I want to let you know about a couple things that are coming up here at Crossroads. One, car show every Tuesday. So five to nine and uh, it's a great time. Come on up. Good cars. Good stuff happening here on Tuesdays. And then this Friday we have our drive in our last drive in movie night. So we're going to be showing Meet the Robinsons. If you could register online, go to our website and register online. Let us know you're coming and you can sign up per car and uh, rescue dogs. Food truck will be there. Um, all, benef- all the proceeds benefit the Light of Life Rescue Mission. Uh, there's, they're good hot dogs, people. They're really good. They're like gourmet. There's like oh, there's like a seafood one and it's. They're really, really good. Great people. So you got to check it out. Believe me. Um, so come on up Friday and we'll be showing that movie and the movie will start right around 845, 850, um, a little bit before that. But we're going to be having a great time on Friday. And then I also want to let you know that uh, on the 27th, we're going to be talking more details to come, but we're going to have a watch party um, to support our very own Eric McElvenny competing in the Paralympics uh, this year. So we're going to be. Yeah, you can clap about that. So we'll be sharing more information this next weekend about when it is or what time it's going to be. But we're going to be uh, hanging out and we're going to watch Eric compete, one of our own. It's going to be really cool. Looking forward to that time. Guys, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and giving online through the mail and the boxes on the wall. We're continuing to just wrap our arms around what God is calling us to do. And that's a form of worship is giving of our finances. So thank you guys for being faithful uh, and giving to the Lord. Would you guys pray as we continue on this morning? Lord, thank you for calling us here. Lord, thank you for your word that we stand on. Lord, we think about um, the the wise man built his house upon the rock, and that's what we want to do. Um, God, we know that the world tempts us uh, and, and tries to get us to choose to uh, to build our house on sand. And Lord, we can only survive and, and thrive in, in, in this life and also in eternity, God, if we build our house upon you, Jesus, the rock. So, Lord, this morning we're going to do that. We're going to build our house on the rock. We're going to read and we're going to grow and we're going to see lives change because of people interacting and encountering you. We love you so much in your name. Amen. What a great weekend. Let's thank our great God. What a good good weekend God's been giving us. Huh? <clears throat> so we jump into the remarkable series. We've been going through verse by verse the book of Mark. What did Jesus say? Who is he? What is he all about? I hope that you will find out that this is the Jesus that is worth your life. He's worth you giving everything to, worth you abandoning all else and following him today. As we look into this, um, we, we're on a journey with him, and, and what you're going to see today looks like he's repeating himself. 
Like as you look, look through this, you see that every now and then the teacher has to repeat himself. Maybe you're like that. The, the lessons had to, sometimes the lessons are hard and you need to hear the lesson a second time. I know when I went to school, that's what had to happen to me. I had to hear it over and over and over, right? I had to hear the lesson over and over before I would actually catch it. Jesus, what we're going to look into today, he's about to deal with, uh, look at his disciples and he realizes that they need a little bit extra help. They didn't quite get it. Um, you know, I heard a story about a guy who went into the, into a bank one day and he asked the, he asked the teller for money. He wanted money and the, the teller explained, well, you have to, you have to fill this out and you have to sign the check here and that's how you get your money. Well, he didn't understand, so he went across the street to the next bank. And in the next bank, he went in and he said the same thing. Hey, I want some money. And, and they explained, well, this is what you have to do. You have to sign the back of that check and that's how you're going to get your money. And so uh, the, the, he still didn't get it. And so the, the teller at the second bank comes, leans over and grabs him by the shoulder, pounds his head off the table three times. And pretty soon the guy got the check and he started signing. And he understood that's what I got to do, right? So he goes back to the original bank and says, hey, listen, they gave me money across the street. And they said, well, how did it happen? He said, well, they explained it to me, right? And that's what happens sometimes. Sometimes we need those two-by-four moments. Do you ever have a two-by-four moment, you know? It's like, boom. Man, it just hurts when you when you get that. But sometimes we need those moments where it's like, hey, listen. Ah, yeah, I heard that before. I heard that before. I heard that. Oh, now it makes sense. And so what we're going to look at here today is Mark chapter 8. We're going to see how that Jesus turns inadequacy, our shortcomings, our inadequacy, to abundance. That's what he does. He takes the little that we have, the, 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 what we can't do, and he shows you what he can do, and he turns it into abundance. Mark chapter 8, beginning of verse 1. It's going to sound very familiar to Mark chapter 6. Just a few weeks ago, actually, Chuck Green shared with you Mark chapter 6. You're going to find some striking resemblance from chapter to chapter here, but these are actually two different events. He says, in those days, what he was talking about was in those days, what happened was that whenever Mark says a change, you'll see he says, and immediately they went here. But he was saying in those days, and if you read the passage before it, he had been out in the Decapolis. He was in the Gentile region. We've looked for a few weeks now that he's in the Gentile region, that he's doing some healing in the Gentile region. Uh, he cast out a demon in the Decapolis, right? So he had many things he did. The Syrophoenician woman was in the Decapolis. So he's been on this tour going into the Gentile area. Remember, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along. And remember that the Jews were the people that were the people that were close to God at that point. They were the people that had the Old Testament Scripture. They understood about Moses. And they were the ones that like had this closeness to God. And the rest of the world didn't. So everybody else was known as the Gentile. That's what I am. You and I were Gentiles, right? We're the people on the outside. And so in those days... He was on, he was working on the outside. He wasn't in the, uh, the Jewish territory per se. He was in the settlement where there was a lot of people that were far from God. In those days, when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. <clears throat> Could you imagine that? Jesus is teaching for three days. I mean, I can't get an hour out of you guys. You know, if I have an hour and like it starts to get like 12.02, you guys, all of a sudden you start hearing cell phones all over the church and people get squirming. These people were three days. Jesus was teaching for three days. And he says, I have compassion. That's the Jesus that I serve. 
He has compassion on you. He has compassion on me. He had compassion. He had pity. Like the word for compassion is really pity. I have sorrow. I'm sorry. I feel so sorry for these people. I have pity. I have compassion for these people because they've been here for three days and they have nothing to eat. And when, look, verse three continues on. He says, if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. He says, I have compassion on them. I've been teaching them. Over in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 6, he had taught them this. He said to the crowds, he said, listen, uh, don't worry about anything. He said, I want you to be about the kingdom mind. I want you to be about God's business. I want you to be thinking about what God wants in your life. And I, and I don't want you to be worried about your next meal. I don't want you to be worried about the temporary things. He says, I will take care of that. I will provide your next meal. I will provide for you. I am there for you. And he tells them in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, your food, your clothing, the things that you need will be supplied to you. He says that he will give them to you. But it's predicated on seek first. He wants you to seek him, like put him above everything else. And so he's doing that. He, he's had these people here. There are three days that they are, they are not able to eat. There's no food. Now, what would happen is when you go out and you, you knew that you'd be out away from home. Remember, they're in a desolate place. They're, they're, uh, they're in this Jewish, ter- uh, in the non-Jewish territory, the Gentile territory. And they're kind of in this big wilderness area. And uh, there's no stores there. There's no place to eat. There's no, no place where you can just go and get a Big Mac, right? Uh, it's like the people would take a little lunch with them. They would take some food whenever they knew that, hey, at least I'll be away for the day. Um, you'll see you'll see the mention of the loaves and the fishes. And I will, I will tell you what happened there was they, they were pickled fish. They were tilapia, pickled tilapia. So they didn't need to be refrigerated. They didn't need to be reheated. And, you know, because as I see Jesus do, doing these miracles, I'm like, what do you do, make sushi? You know what I mean? There's raw fish out there. He, it was pickled tilapia and, 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 a loaf of, and a loaf of bread. It'd be the same as you going in Pittsburgh. You know, I was just thinking, if we were in Pittsburgh and Jesus were teaching, what did we give you? Give you a chipped ham sandwich, right? You go out, it'd be Isley's chipped ham sandwich. And it doesn't matter that Isley's closed 25 years ago. It's still Isley's chipped ham sandwich, right? You would be in Pittsburgh, and that's what you'd take with you. He's doing something that's in the culture. They, they had these pickled fish, the pickled tilapia, and they have these loaves of bread. And his disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread in this desolate place? To satisfy these people. Where will anybody, how can anybody in this whole place, how can they, how, who's going to find enough bread, including you? They're, they're looking at Jesus. Now, now here's where I'm saying, like, the disciples didn't get it. Because two chapters earlier, which is just about three or four months earlier on their timeline, Jesus just fed 5,000 people with a big teaching. He's fed these 5,000 people. And actually, the, the numbers, if you go and you, Matthew gives us a little bit more insight, he says that 5,000 was the number of men, and then there was women and children on top of that. So most scholars estimate easily 15,000 people that Jesus fed there. Because if you add the man and then a wife and then a child, you're easily to 15, possibly 20,000 people that Jesus comes and feeds from a few loaves and a few fishes. So here the disciples are again, and they're like, now we're in Gentile territory. Before they were over in the Jewish territory. So now it's like, okay, 
Jesus, you know, we're not near the, we're not near the lake. They, we can't just go get fish. We can't get bread. You know the routine. Who is going to be able to do this? And so they bring him this question again. Anyone, including the Son of God. You know, many times, before you get too crazy with the disciples, many times we ask that very same question. Don't we? How am I going to make it? How am I going to survive? Will anything... Oh, man, listen, can God do this? And so this is where the disciples were at. They're saying, listen, what are we going to do? There's no place to get bread. We're in a desolate place. And as he was asking them, then Jesus started to ask them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. You know, Matthew and Mark record this event, and neither one of them give a negative comment. Like, Jesus doesn't come and say, what's wrong with you? Yeah, He says, just tell me, how many loaves of bread do you have? Like, if you had seen this miracle three or four months earlier, wouldn't you be leaning in and saying, hey, you know, just do your bread trick again. Why can't you do that again, right? You'd be leaning in and saying, hey, can't you do that again? But they are so busy, and they're not truly understanding who Jesus is. They saw him do it once before, and now they're in the same place. And, and quite frankly, that's what you and I do. They come before him, and he says, how many loaves of bread do you have? He has seven. I want you to catch this. It's like, like the disciples going out. And these weren't very big loaves of bread, Okay. They were, uh, they, they were like traveler loaves. And, and uh, you know, when I put this into perspective, this really helps me. Of course, any time I hold a Twinkie, it helps me, right? He's got Twinkies, right? So, he's got seven of them. Like, they, they weren't the $5 foot long from Subway. They were like little hand-sized pieces of bread. And so he goes and he gets them. Could you imagine? Okay, he wants to know how much food. All right, so they go around. And Jesus is like, okay, I know they're coming packs of two. Who ate one of them, you know? That's my translation. We have seven. And they take these little... Loaves of bread, and they give it to Jesus. And I want you to think about this, because if you're one of the disciples, you're going around out there, and, and you're saying there's nothing that can be done, and somebody hands you a Twinkie. <laughs> you might even eat a Twinkie. Like, like you, you take that little piece of okay. All right. Uh, um, here. Seven. Seven loaves. And he directed them to sit down on the ground. And Jesus takes the seven loaves, the next verse, he takes the seven loaves, he gave thanks and he broke them, and he started giving them to his disciples to serve them, and they served them to the people. Like, Jesus puts it up. Now, at this point, if you're a disciple, you're panicked. You're panicked, and Jesus is like, God, I thank you for the food that you provided for these people. And, and you're like, he's at it again. He did it the first time. I'm not sure he can do it the second time. And that's exactly where the disciples were at. God did this before, and they weren't sure that he could do it again. And so here Jesus comes, and he, and he, and he blesses the bread. He puts the bread up there, and he blesses them, and he begins to serve. They also had a few small fish. And after he had, um, we'll go verse 7 there. They also had a few small fish, and after he had blessed them, he ordered, that, ordered these to be served as well. And they ate, and they were satisfied. 
They ate. And God did the miracle. And they're satisfied. I want you to think about this. Number one, how did Jesus do this? Like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him to do that again. Aren't you? Like, could you show us how you did that? Like, was it... Or, or is it just, you know, keep breaking? Uh, how, how did he do it? And so we're overwhelmed. Like, he did this miracle, but, but we see this power of God. And then the most powerful part, it says that they ate and they were satisfied. They, they didn't want anything else. You know, if I give you this Twinkie, you'll definitely want something else. This, this is fake food, right? <laughs> God feeds you. He gives you something that satisfies. And, and I want you to catch this because Jesus, he's the only one that can satisfy and when we live our life, many people are living life today trying to satisfy off of things that can't even come close to satisfying you. They're trying to live their life off of fake food. They're trying to live their life off of fake everything. And, and But it feels so good and it, and it just is inspiring. And it's like, well, you know what, if I go do this and I'm successful, man, you know what, you can go out and be successful and not be satisfied. I wish somebody would have explained that to me when I was younger because, listen, how much of your life do you spend trying to be successful? You can be popular and not be satisfied. You, you can be many things and not be satisfied. So many people, uh, listen, they, they've gone out and they have sown and tried to, tried to get themselves satisfied. When Jesus feeds you, you are satisfied. And, and what, he was, what he was showing them here is that, listen, I just did the miracle. Um, you thought it couldn't happen, and so he does. He, he feeds them that, and he, he gives them it, and they were satisfied. They picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over, and... Um, of the broken pieces, about 4,000 were there, and he sent them away. So, so there were 4,000 people there. They're, they were there for a number of days. And so what it was was the, the word there for the, for the baskets left over, it says large baskets. They were like hampers. There were seven hampers. Like, go and think of a big, huge hamper. Seven of those filled up leftover food from this miracle that he did from a few loaves. Uh, if you go back to the one that he did before with the 5,000, when, when he fed the 5,000, he, 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 the word there is that they took a smaller basket. It was like a, a travel bag that you would take with you. I, I'm kind of thinking more like a backpack, like there were 12 backpacks filled up with leftovers. This one, there were seven bushels, seven massive things left over. And so, so you see that these are two different events. As a matter of fact, as you look through them, I want you to catch this, that, that God uses his disciples in both of them. And he gives them, listen, when God uses you, that's a gift of grace. That's God. Like, God doesn't have to use me. God doesn't have to use you. You'll hear us in the future here. We're going to be asking people to sign up to serve, man. Eighty people served in our vacation Bible school. Can we thank God for that? That was incredible, all right? That was, uh, that was incredible. And, and what that is, that's a gift. God says, listen, I'm giving you my gift of grace that I would include you in my work. We're going to be asking people this fall and in the coming weeks, hey, how can you serve? How will you get involved? Like, I, I talked to somebody this morning. They've been coming for about a year and a half now. And they got involved downstairs and they're doing kid check. And they were so happy they got to, they got to serve. And I was like, yes, this is what happens. Because, you see, that's the grace of God. The grace of God says, I'm doing something and I'm choosing you to help me. Like, like, like the, the disciples, they didn't perform the miracle. 
All they got to do was keep handing out Twinkies. <laughs> All they kept doing was handing out loaves of fish and bread. And they kept handing out, kept handing out, handing out. And man, what, what an incredible blessing it was. And, and they got to do this twice. And, and even though they didn't get to do it twice, they were, uh, even though they got to do it twice, Jesus didn't come down on them because they didn't understand. Have you ever helped somebody and they don't understand? Like you teach somebody to do something and then they come back and ask you the same question a week later? Does that ever happen? Raise your hand if that's happened to you. Okay, it's like I always refer to it as teaching your family how to do something on a computer, a.k.a. my wife. Like, like if I show her how to do something on a computer, she'll take a note and she'll write it down. And then a week later she'll ask me the same question. And, and I, I'm a man of patience. <laughs> Not. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? Jesus didn't do that to the disciples. I mean, this was not Windows 10 or 11 or whatever is going on out there, right? This was, hey, you missed the fact of who I am. You missed it. You saw me. I went out. I did the work. You watched me do this one time. And when the, when the need arose the second time, you didn't even ask me for help. You said it can't be done again. The feeding, you know, just in case you're wondering, hey, is this the same thing? They're not the same thing. As a matter of fact, Jesus alludes to it down in, in a few verses, and we'll read that here in just a little bit, but he alludes to the fact that, hey, there are two different feedings, feeding of the 5,000, feeding of the 4,000. But let me just give you a few of the, the differences between the 5,000 and the 4,000. Um, the, the feeding of the 5,000 took place on the western shore of Galilee. This was um, on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. The feeding of the 4,000 was on the eastern side of Galilee. Uh, feeding of the 5,000 involved predominantly Jews. It was in a Jewish territory. Feeding of the 4,000 involved predominantly Gentiles, those that were far from God. The feeding of the 5,000 involved five, lo- five loaves and two fish. The feeding of the 4,000 involved seven loaves and a few fish. The feeding of the 5,000, the people had been with him for one day. The feeding of the 4,000, they were with him for three days. The feeding of the 5,000 had 12 little baskets left over. The feeding of the 4,000 had seven large baskets left over. Hampers. The feeding of the 5,000, Jesus prays one time. He blesses the loaves and the fish. The feeding of the 4,000, Jesus prayed two times. He prayed over the bread, and then he prayed over the fish. The amount of the two crowds were different. There were 5,000 and 4,000. And Jesus himself said these are two different events. And so as you go through this, I want you to remember, why did he do this? Why did he do this? First of all, he repeated this miracle. Because repetition is the mother of all learning. Have you heard that statement before? Repetition is the mother of all learning. Read it with me. Repetition is the mother of all learning. You know, whenever I was learning how to memorize Scripture, I learned that if I read it over, said it out loud, said it out loud, repeated it, wrote it down, I would memorize it. I have memorized so many verses from the Bible because I have sat down and repeated, 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 repeated. If you're studying for a test, you repeat, repeat, repeat. So here they are. They're in a test of life. And God is saying, listen, you didn't catch it the first time. I'm not coming down on you the second time, but I am going to teach you the second time. 
And so he teaches them the second time. And what he's teaching them, he, he, he's teaching them what he said over in John 6, uh, verse 48. He's saying, listen, he wants you to understand that he is the bread of life. See, he says, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness and they all died. God had promised that they would have food. And he said, I will send you this bread from heaven. And uh, and they ate it. So this food would appear on the ground in the morning. They ate it. But he says, listen, they're all dead. None of them are alive. I'm the bread of life. Anyone who eats from the bread from heaven, eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. So if you eat... From me, this is talking about Jesus here. If you have this relationship with me, you will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. And so what he's doing is he's saying, listen, I want you to catch who I am. He wasn't talking about communion, folks. Some people say, oh, that's a verse on communion. No, he was talking about who he is. who he, His flesh, his body would be broken. And, and Jesus here in Mark, he's, he realizes that his disciples don't get it. And in just a few verses, he's about to tell them that he's going to die. They've been with him for two years and they still didn't catch it. They still didn't have the faith to believe. And, and, you know, you see the disciples, they're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. They're up, they're down. And then all of a sudden, you see like this great faith as you, as you look at the faith of the disciples. But I want you to know that they were on a faith journey as they were rolling through this. Over in Exodus 16:4, Moses had said this, that the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. I will bring the bread. I will rain bread from heaven from you. So what did Jesus say when he's doing this thing? He's saying, listen, I want you to catch who I am. I want you to catch that I'm the one that Moses told about. Moses, my father told Moses about me. I want you to catch this. I want you to catch that I was born in the city of bread. Bethlehem, the very name Bethlehem means house of bread. That's where he was born. He was born in the house of bread. Um, he says, I want you to understand my person. I am the bread of life. Like this whole thing about bread. So that he's teaching. And look at how he's using all this teaching. He is the bread of life. Uh, he continues on here. He says, I want you to catch my power because it's my power that did the work. It wasn't the disciples who multiplied this bread. It was Jesus. It was the power. It was the, the bread of life. And he says, I want you to catch my suffering because I'm going to have suffering that will come. And he talks about, uh, about his body that will be broken. We need to constantly be bringing our needs to Jesus because he is the bread of life. And I want to encourage you folks. You have needs. I have needs. God says, bring them to him. Do you realize the gift that God has given us in prayer, and yet we choose not to pray? Like God has every need of yours. He understands your every need. But somehow, we think that by reading another book, that by going out and making a, some, turning over a new leaf, that by doing something else, that I will get satisfied somewhere else. And God says, I want you to learn how to pray and bring your every need before me, for I am your Father who is in heaven. Whatever God has given us, there's still far more room for him to give more. I want you to catch that. Because some of you have trusted Christ as your Savior. He wants to do more in your life. Don't stop there. 
Like, yeah, it's great that you're going to go to heaven when you die. That's wonderful. But God wants to take you to the next step. He wants you to be on his team. He wants you to be handing out Twinkies. Look out, it's going to get wild by the end. He wants you to be handing out the bread and the fish. He wants to use you. He wants to use you to say hi to somebody in the hallway at church. He wants you to go down and teach a little kid in church that Jesus loves them. He wants you to go love on a teenager over in the gymnasium on Sunday night. He wants you to go to your neighbor and cut their grass. He wants you to be used. He wants you to be God with skin on. He wants you to go out and do powerful things that will turn this town upside down. Not because... You, you see, you can't do the miracle. All you can do is hand the miracle. And so when you come in here every week, you know what I do? I'm just handing out miracles. Because I don't make the miracles. I just hand them out. And God does it. You know what God says? That's not just for the pastor. That's for everybody who follows me. Like, like he says, our souls are, are, are there and he wants to grow your soul. He wants to move in you. I like what Kent Hughes says. He says, our souls, so to speak, are like elastic. The more we eat, the more they expand. The more they expand, the more we are able to eat. And so this is what happens as you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Understand that he's the bread of life. And he wants to work. He's doing something great in your life. But he wants you to come and eat of the bread of life. It's not something that you prayed when you were a kid and it's over. If that's your spirituality and that is it and you haven't done anything with it, you are missing this. That's where it starts. Many of you prayed the sinner's prayer as a child and you can look back and you say, that's where it started. Many of you have never prayed that prayer yet. I want to tell you, start that today. Come to Jesus. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. He, he says, listen, you can't be good enough to earn my love. I love you already. And so that's what he's calling us to do. Now, now what's interesting here is in the passage, he cha- the, the narrative changes. All of a sudden, Mark, Mark changes the narrative, but he keeps with the theme of bread here. I want you to catch this here. Um, what he was saying here whenever Jesus went out here, he was saying that he was the bread of life for everyone. He had done it for the Jews. He did it for the Gentiles. He did it for those that were close to God, for those that were far away from God. God says, I am the bread of life for everyone. There's only one way to get to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? Thanks be to God that there is no one people that is higher than another. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. I am the bread of life for everyone. Jesus now, the the narrative switches over here. Mark continues on. And immediately he entered... Uh, and immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. So they got on the, on the, on the boat, went back over across the Sea of Galilee to this town called Dalmanutha. And uh, as you go there, you do a little bit of background on there. It's more of a Jewish territory. So out come the Pharisees. These were the people who were the religious leaders. They were the ones who were known for seeking after God. They come out after him and they seek him and they're wanting a sign from heaven to test him. You know, everybody wants a sign. I've heard people all the time tell me I'll take a sign. But when they get the sign, they say it's not good enough. 
They want another sign. They want another sign. They want another sign. And you know what people really end up saying is, I'll follow you, God, if I get what I want. What I really, really want. That's what I want. And so many people are just like, okay, if you give me what I really, really want, then I'll follow you. But that's not what God gives you. He gives you more than what you want. He gives you what you need. And as we become followers of Christ, listen, you may be looking for a sign, and God has already given the sign. The sign is himself. And look what he says. Look how he responds to them. They, you know, in, in that day, the Greeks, they would know, hey, we saw the sign of Zeus, thunder and lightning. That was Zeus. We see uh, the Jewish people would say, hey, you know, the sign of a prophet is if his stuff comes true. Well, Jesus, look how he responds to them. They're seeking a sign from him. They're trying to trick him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Can you imagine Jesus? He goes, I'm not giving you a sign. The sign is right here. Like, you missed it. I have been, for the last two years, raising people. I have been taking sick people and raising them up from their bed of affliction. I've healed people that were deaf. I've healed people that were blind. I have told you that I am the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. I am the fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah. I have told you all this and I am here and you're still not going to receive this. I am your sign. So he says, listen, I say to you, there'll be no sign will be given to this generation. So verse 13, leaving them, he again embarked and he went away to the other side. So he gets on and he moves off to another part. And they had forgotten to take bread. Now check this out. They're in the boat. They forgot to take bread. I'm thinking, you know, these disciples, they're not the brightest apples in the cart, are they? You just saw Jesus feed 4,000 people. You've got seven hampers filled with food left over. And you're like, we forgot to take bread. Peter, you want a nibble? Man, they... They forgot to take the bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Verse 15. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So he hears them talking about the bread. He just fed the 4,000. He told them they have no sign over there. He said, now, I want you to watch out for the leaven. You know what the leaven was? Leaven's the part of bread. When you're making the bread, you, they, they take a little pinch of it, and they'll put that into the next lump, and it will make that bread rise. It's, I don't totally understand. All I know is they take part of it, stick it in there, and it makes the bread rise. So, so in that day, they would have it, and they, you would leave a little bit out for the next morning. You're making the bread. You put this little bit of leaven in, and it makes the bread rise. He says, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Legalism, adding to God's Word, rules and regulations. Beware, because that little bit of leaven will ruin you. It'll puff you up the wrong way. And he says, also be be weary of the leaven of the Herodians. What? The people who followed Herod? They didn't even love God. Exactly. Worldliness. He says, "Be, be weary... Of legalism, be wary of worldliness. Because a little bit of either one will destroy you. Wow! You were told to be good all your life. Jesus says, I'm not telling you to be good. I'm telling you to follow 
the bread of life. He says, over here, don't go after worldliness because that, listen, you take one seed of anger, destroys your life. One seed of any type of thing that is not from God and you put it into there and it blows up your life. He says, eat of me, I'm the bread of life. Well, the, the disciples, they just didn't get it. Jesus gave this big, deep lesson. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. Sounds like us. We know that God has done great things. But God, and I only got one loaf left. And God says, I'll be your provider. He's known as Jehovah Jireh. And you're like, but God, I only got one loaf left. Them little mouths, I don't want to share it with them. They don't like Twinkies anyhow. And it's like, listen, they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. God was taking them to a place of dependency, and he's trying to teach them who he is. They began to discuss that they had no bread. Verse 17, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you, uh, do you have a hardened heart? Do you not... You can't put this whole thing together. I just fed 5,000 and then I fed 4,000. And I told you, and and you still aren't catching that I'm the bread of life? And then he quotes from Jeremiah. Jeremiah, he says, Having eyes, do you not see? Having ears, do you not hear? And he continues on. He says, And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000? How many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, Twelve. And how about whenever I fed the 4,000? When I broke the seven for the 4,000? How many large baskets of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? We've been on this journey for two years and you don't yet understand. And you know what? He doesn't condemn them yet. He still doesn't condemn them. He says, do you not understand? I am the bread of life. Your life will be changed when you understand who I really am. Verse 22. And then he came to another place called Bethsaida. And he brought, they brought, so Jesus, they brought to Jesus. The disciples brought this blind man to Jesus. And they begged him to touch him, to heal him. Next verse. Taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, do you see anything? It's kind of written a little funny, isn't it? Kind of gives this idea that Jesus like, Now, he came, a little bit of dust, put together, puts this little spit on his eyes. And I want you to catch this because out of all the miracles that we've seen so far, this is a different one. The way it's done is different. Everywhere else, Jesus said, boom, you're healed. Boom, you're healed. Boom, you're healed. It was instantly. This one, he does in a little bit of stages. Do you see anything? And the man replies. He looked up and said, I see, I see men. For I, I see them like trees and, and, and they're walking around. So he says, yeah, I can see, but I can't see clearly. Like, like I see these shadows. And so, so he had just, God just performed this miracle. And listen, God could have done it all at once. But I'm going to show you in just a minute why God did this in two stages. He looked up and he said, I see them. Uh, they're walking around. And look what Jesus does. Jesus again laid his hands on his eyes. And he looked intently 
uh, and, he, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. Verse 26, and he sent him to his home saying, do not even enter the village. He wasn't ready. He didn't need a show. Jesus didn't need a big crowd. He said, just know that I have ministered to you. Go home. And I want you to catch this today because God is still the bread of life. Jesus is still the bread of life. There's nothing else in this world that will satisfy you, folks. And you may be a slow learner to that. And I want you to catch this. He did this miracle in two stages because the disciples' eyes were not immediately opened. It took them two stages. And I think the big stage is whenever they saw Jesus rise from the dead. Their faith was powerful. Maybe you've been struggling with something in your life. You've been struggling with faith in Christ. I want to encourage you, listen, understand who he is. There's four things in your notes. I'm finally getting to the notes. I gave you the first one. Repetition is the mother of all learning. I'm going to give you four thoughts from this passage. that Because you're going out for the test of life. And the test of life is hard. It's tough. And I want you, I want you to get these. Based on this passage, there's no need too great for God to hear. There's no need, read that with me, there is no need too great for God. You, you say, man, I have made a mess of my life. God knows. God knows the mess you made. There's no need for too great for God. God says, listen, still come to me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, come unto me. You say, man, you don't understand this is big, this, this issue is bigger than me. Yeah, it's like trying to feed 4,000 people with a couple Twinkies. It ain't going to happen. And God says, listen, I got it, and you're not going to be able to do it on your own. You've got to come to me, and I will give you rest. I am the bread of life. Let me care for your soul. There is no need too great for God to hear. And as I said already, God has given us this incredible gift of prayer, and yet we ignore it. I want to encourage you, go and learn, develop this prayer life. Develop it. Learn how to talk to God. Give Him your every need. And don't expect Him to give you what you want when you want it. That's not being God. Expect Him to work in your life with His purpose and His plan for the greater glory. And He will continue to work in your life. Number two, there is no reason for us to forget No reason for you to forget what God has done in the past. Read that with me. There is no reason for us to forget. No reason whatsoever for us to forget what God has done. Um, As you go through the Old Testament, you'll see they kept coming back every time they had a calamity. They came back and said, Lord, we remember how you parted the Red Sea. The Jewish people still celebrate that in Passover every year. God's called us. What has God done in your life? That he's called you to never forget. Like, see, when you remember what he did, the disciples, they were at the second feeding of the, of the 4,000 here. They forgot what happened in the first one. There's no reason for us ever to forget. There is no limit to what God can do. Oh, I love this. There is no limit. Read it with me. There is no limit to what God can do. God's supply always exceeds our need. Did you catch that? His supply always exceeds your need. You have a need and God says, listen, I'm going to shower you with my blessings. I have much more than you could ask or think. He owns the whole universe. He is never without resources. I've often 
quoted the scripture in the, in the, from the Psalms that says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And listen, when times are getting tough, you just remember who your daddy is. That's your daddy in heaven. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And if he needs to, he can make me a steak dinner. But I get asparagus. Listen, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm not talking about a health and wealth and prosperity type of theology. I'm talking about this fact that God has not promised to make you comfortable. Um, listen, he has promised that he will be with you. He'll never leave you. And he will meet your needs. And then lastly, there is no way that God will give up on us when we don't get it. Oh, this is my favorite part of this whole passage. Read it with me. There is no way God will give up on us when we don't get it. God doesn't say, "Mm mm-hmm. You know, I provided for you the first time, and you went out and messed up. I'm not going to do it again. That's not the God we serve. God doesn't say, "Uh uh-huh. You know what? Here you are. You're trying to follow me, and you derailed. No, no. He says, I'm going to keep helping you. Today, as we close, we're going to close the service with a unique thing. We're going to have a baptism this morning. I'm super excited about this. Brandis Stockey and her son Oliver are going to get baptized today. And I can't wait for you to hear her story in just a minute, okay? Um, but, but, but before we do, let's just bow in prayer as they go to prepare for the baptism. And I want to ask you to take a moment and respond to God. Remember who he is. He is the bread of life. Nothing else can satisfy. You may have gone out there and tried to satisfy, and you will only hear the enemy tell you lies about who you are when you try all that. Because the enemy is bait and switch. Jesus is the bread of life. And I want to invite you to that bread of life. As we just close with just a few moments here of of quietness, we're going to play a song, and the, the song is called You Say... And uh, this, this song was big in Brandis' life. She asked us if we would play this before she got baptized. And so it absolutely tells us who God sees you as. And I want you today to come and get your satisfaction from him. Let me pray, and then we're going to roll that video. Father God, we come before you, Lord. I thank you for what you've done in this place. I thank you for Brandis. I thank you for Oliver. Thank you for her family, Lord, and how that you have started to work many years ago in her life. And you're still working. You're still working. You're still working. Lord, be with each one of us as we witness this event today, as we respond to your grace. In your name we pray. in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low Remind
remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. Have a baptistry light that's marked back there. Baptism. We want to uh, we want to celebrate today with Brandis and Oliver. Let's thank God with Brandis and Oliver. All right. All right. At this time, we're going to roll Brandis's story. I want you to hear Brandis's story. 
Hi, my name is Brandon, and I started at the church um, when I was in fifth grade. There were a group of kids and a few of my cousins that were telling me about a youth group down the street from my house. So I went down and came inside and greeted by a bunch of kids my age and Pastor Ken, and I started going every Wednesday. Um, into that, um, I would hear them praying a prayer at the end of the night and um, I finally felt one night like it was my time to accept God into my life and you know I knew I would have Jesus walking with me uh, forever and I felt that so I did it and throughout my life you know we've had hard times just like anyone else and he's always been beside me and I've always remembered that prayer that I prayed in fifth grade um, and recently during, you know, everybody went through a lot during COVID, just like me and my family. And I hit a crossroad where I was very depressed and scared. And I was on, you know, depression medication. I was looking for, you know, any type of relief to just get through those days. And, you know, I just remembered in the back of my head, you know, I have God. He's right here. And um, so I started you know, praying to Jesus every night and just asking him, Lord, please help, please help. And I got my answers. And I want to say that through my life, the one big thing I think I might have done slightly wrong was I did not put him first and foremost through everything. So during that COVID time, I really had a lot of time to spend with him. And I'm thankful for it because I know now for the rest of my life that this is who I want next to me. You know, he's frontline, never on the back burner. And today I want to do this baptism because I want everyone to know that, that moving forward, that I choose, I choose God first and um, that I'm never going to go back to that person who only used him in tough times. He's literally my best friend. So um, I'm glad to do this. Man, can we rejoice? I am eight years old. I go to South Park Elementary School, and I've been here since I was three weeks old. When it was a Wednesday and I was here at church, there was a prayer and I thought it was really good so I asked Jesus into my life and it was a hard decision to make kind of for me because I didn't know what baptizing would be like but I found out it was like thing where you could just let Jesus in your life and know that he's always by your side to help you go through anything you have a problem with and he's always there for you because you know that he died on the cross went went died and then came back to life three days later and he is he is the one that I know I want into my heart and God because they can help anybody with any problem.
because they know that if they're going through something that they need help, so they'll always be by their side. All right. Uh, we want to thank God for this great day. And uh, do we have any more light that we can get on there? No? Okay. All right. So maybe that last one on, that one of the switch on the wall back there, um, if we can, there you go. There you go. A little bit of light helps everything. All right. Man, I want to thank God for Brandis. Uh, I'll tell you what, I remember those days as a young teenager. She wandered into the youth group. She was a little bit younger. We said, come on in anyhow. And uh, look what God did in her life. And uh, God has not given up on her. And I love her testimony, how that she said that she's tried everything, but Jesus is the only way. Amen. Let's rejoice with her right now. Let's rejoice. Brandis, upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, I now baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. And Oliver... Based upon your profession of faith and obedience to the Lord's command, I now baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ's death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. Stand up there. Come over here. Stand up on it. All right, let's give these guys a hand. I want, I want you to see Oliver. Get him up there. There you go. Let's give him a hand. Look this way. Get your picture there, all right? All right. God bless you. You are dismissed. Be sure to love on these guys. Get a nice wet hug afterwards, all right? Have a great day.
I'm supposed to do. 